Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained, and I'm your host, Mike Menninger, founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. As you know, the six areas of financial planning also include estate planning, and estate planning has a lot of different pieces to it, and I am delighted to talk about today a subsection of estate planning in the form of special needs planning. And what I have today, my guest today, is Steve Potts of Hair pots and pots. Steve, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming to the show. Hey, is it coincidence that pots sounds a lot like one of the names in the uh, in, in your company? That's true. That's, imagine uh, that. Imagine that. So yes. tell me a little bit about yourself and your company. Uh, well, we are a law firm in uh, located in Wayne, PA, okay. and we also have offices out in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Uh, we do estate planning, estate administration, probate. And uh, we have a focus on special needs planning. Okay, excellent. So tell me a little bit, what is special needs planning? So special needs planning, it, it's a pretty wide um, gamut of, of what it covers, but uh, I would say most of the time you're looking at how can families leave, leave assets to a special needs child um, and preserve their eligibility for governmental benefits. Okay, define special needs. Uh, somebody disabled, uh, what, what would define yeah, special I mean, needs? Yeah, we're usually looking at are they going to be receiving government benefits that there would be an income or reset, a resource uh, limit uh, where they can't have over, say, a certain amount of assets okay. or a certain amount of income in a year. And uh, that's where we would need to be able to set up a trust uh, to maybe fund for them to supplement those governmental benefits that they would be getting, but that it doesn't put them over the eligibility limits. Okay, so what does one need to do to qualify for governmental benefits? Well, the, the, the really kind of depends on what that government benefit is. Is this but, the state government or federal? And it could be both. Okay. It could be both. Um, and what that would really look like is, in general, they would want to look at uh, what your resources are, what your bank statements look like. If okay. you have uh, any uh, regular trust set up for you, is there a retirement account that you're a beneficiary of, or it's your own? Um, and then they would be looking at what type of income you have. Okay. Okay. So, again, w give me some ideas of examples of people who have needed special needs or what, what, how do they qualify? I mean, you have to qualify not so much. I mean, there are going to be people out there who don't have assets and don't have trusts, but they're obviously not special needs. What are, what are special needs? I, I have a client who has a child who has severe autism and I'm, and I know they have special needs trust established for them, right. but what, would qualify someone as having special needs and qualifying for state government? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's usually when you, when you apply for certain types of benefits, the, the county offices are gonna look at what is the disability? Mm -hmm. what, what makes them qualify to be able to get these, these resources? Um, and where my sort of um, focus would come in is, oh, okay, you have been eligible for these governmental benefits, all right, now you're coming to me, families come to me to say, you know, we don't want to um, not include them in our will. We don't want to just leave it up to governmental benefits that mm -hmm. they have. We want to provide something more to them 
and um, you know, what are the mechanisms that we can use to do that. So generally what you're talking about is you're establishing the special needs for the children who have the special needs, but for when the parents who are, the, the, I guess the uh, supporters, when they pass, is that what you're saying? That's usually it. There, there are uh, different types of special needs trusts that are out there. Um, but I would say that the, the typical situation is mom, dad come in, they have two children, mm -hmm. uh, one has special needs, they want to include them in the, in the state plan. And what we can do is, okay, we know that they're going to be eligible or they are eligible and they're already receiving governmental benefits. Let's set up a special needs trust for them so that, yes, when mom and dad pass away, we can make sure that there's certain assets go into that trust, mm -hmm. and that trust will not be counted as a resource for okay. governmental benefits, and it can supplement the governmental benefits that they are receiving, so it's not going to knock them off eligibility. Now, I will say, once we set that trust up, we can have grandmom could leave a certain amount of money to this trust. Another person could leave money okay. to these trusts. So it is, it, even though the plan may be, well, we may not use this until mom and dad pass away, it's there, it's ready, and, and other people can leave assets to this trust. So what type of benefits would one get if they have special needs? That can be a huge, huge uh, gambit of type of uh, benefits that they can receive. I mean, it could be as simple as just a monthly payment that they receive if they're under the, if they meet the eligibility requirements, or it could be housing. It okay. could provide uh, a waiver funding for uh, companionship, for job coaching, for, um, uh, and obviously the big one, I guess, is medical care, medical right. assistance, Medicaid. Um, so the, the eligibility for governmental benefits is huge out there if the people meet those requirements. Right, so by the sound of it, there's probably a full array. There may be some who need full care and there may be others that would receive like a stipend from the government is what you're saying? Almost like a disability payment? Yeah, they could just say be receiving, say, SSI, um, which is which is a Social Security income uh, okay. payment to them that uh, is based on just their eligibility. That they, let's say, a person with autism uh, turns 18, uh, maybe still be in the school system, but because they reached age 18, they're the age majority. They can apply for benefits and they can receive that monthly payment from the government. So. If someone does qualify, and you mentioned age 18, I suppose that's right around the time with which they're graduating high school, but once they receive that benefit, do you find that they still, in many cases, they could receive an income that is almost like a social security, I think of it as social security in a way, that helps the parents to be able to support them. Is that what the purpose of it is? It's not so much to help the parents, I don't think. At that point, you know, most times the, the individuals can stay in school past age 18. Right. Um, but that payment is really looking at the individual, it, that it would help them uh, provide some, some uh, maybe payments for rent that if they're staying with mom and dad, mm -hmm. or maybe they're not, maybe they're moved on to a, a, a group home or some other residential situation. And it would provide, say, for food that they may be receiving. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, maybe they're not, mom and dad can't provide the care, and now the child is 40 or 50. Um, those payments can go up. They can provide for extra care for them to, to move into different types of living arrangement. Okay. So tell me more about the trusts. 
Yeah, the trust is a great vehicle to uh, provide uh, assets to them uh, when mom and dad die. In, in, in the past, they would maybe just not include them in their will. Um, they would leave it to another child, but that has some consequences that could happen. Maybe the other child gets divorced. Maybe the other child right. uh, gets in a car accident and gets sued or something. So this is a way to just leave those assets to the trust that can provide for, to supplement the governmental benefits that the, that the individual was, would be receiving. I've seen that before. Um, in the one instance that I said that I have a client who has a uh, severely disabled uh, autistic child that they set aside the money in a trust. Yeah, and the trust is a great way. I mean, supplementing the government benefits that are out there, that can provide a wide gambit of, of, of care. I mean, if, if let's say, the, the benefits are only providing for food and, and housing, well, the, 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 the special needs trust can pay for clothing. The special needs trust can provide, provide for recreation if they want to okay. go to the beach. Um, it can provide for other type of job, job counseling or something that, that the government benefits say wouldn't be able to provide. This trust can step in and provide that. So what are the limits of assets or uh, income that a special needs person is allowed to have in order to qualify for benefits? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It, 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 it's, obvious, it's, it's actually state kind of dependent, where, oh, what state that they're in, what, what medical uh, assistance or Medicaid that they are receiving. Mm -hmm. um, and it could depend on who's, whose house that they're in. Is it at a one-person house, two-person house who's receiving governmental benefits? But I would say, in general, you are looking at probably around a $2,000 resources that they can have, that they can save. That's not um, a lot of money. Not a lot of money. <laughs> um, and, and we can speak about another, um, we've talked about special needs trust. There is another vehicle that um, the government has allowed is what's called an ABLE account. I've heard of that before. Is that something new? It, it's relatively new. Obama signed it in a, uh, a couple years ago, right. and um, it is a savings vehicle up to $15,000 a year that individuals can put money in there. And let's say they're working and they can only have $2,000. The special needs person is contributing to it. Other people can contribute to the individual's ABLE account as well. Okay. But I think the situation, you know, the, they're working, they can only have $2,000 of resources. Let's set up an ABLE account. We can move some of your money over to there that it can save and it can grow tax-free. Right. Um, and it's not going to count them against their eligibility. Well, that's good. It's okay. Okay. That's so interesting. That, that's, a, that's, that's a great vehicle to use, but again, it has some restrictions up to the $15,000 a year. That can be contributed. doesn't matter who. It could doesn't be the who. parent. It could be the actual uh, but, disabled person. But they count both people as only 15,000 can be put into this okay. each year. Whereas a special needs trust, you can put 15,000, you can put a million dollars in this trust. It, there's no, it's, it's not gonna um, affect how much money you can put in. So the, the trust has a little bit more, um, I guess, ease of use that you can contribute right away. It doesn't grow tax free, but it, it's able to take a, an inheritance or if the person, um, let's say gets in a car accident or something like that, even though that's a different type of special needs trust, it's, it's a way to fund it and it's not gonna count against their eligibility. Well, that's an interesting concept. So, um, and you hear of this, I, I don't have any specific examples of clients, but someone could be in a car accident and become severely disabled and they receive a large 
uh, settlement, are you saying that the settlement would go into a special needs trust for that individual? That's correct. So the, one, the mom and dad situation that I described uh, coming in to make a special needs trust for their plan, that's what's called a third party uh, special okay. needs trust. Okay. Uh, the one where the individual gets in a car accident, let's say they're receiving government benefits, and then all of a sudden they get in a car accident and they receive a $50,000 mm -hmm. uh, settlement. Uh, you can set up what's called a first-party special needs right, trust, okay, okay. and those funds can go in there, and um, they can continue to get governmental benefits, but what the government says is when you pass away, whatever's left in there, what didn't supplement already your government benefits, whatever's left when you pass away, we get paid back. Oh, okay. Well, I'm thinking of it more from the perspective of if I'm driving and I get hit by a drunk driver, and it really messes me up and I become disabled, I better be getting more than $50,000. <laughs> so let's say I get a, a distribution of $2 million. What happens to that money? Do, do I set it into a trust or is it something that, I guess that money is designed to support me, but. Yeah, I think that would be a determining, uh, with the situation that would occur because let's say, um, these private funds are going to be able to provide your care. Um, well, then you wouldn't then put it into, say, a payback special needs trust because once you become eligible for the government right. benefits, now the government's going to be saying, oh, well, then maybe we do want to get paid back from that trust. Right. Have you ever asked a really stupid question, and after you ask the question, you realize how dumb it was? <laughs> I never do that. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, I just <laughs> did it. So I tell you what, on that note, let's take a break, and uh, we'll take a commercial break, and we'll be back in a minute. So stay tuned. We'll be back in about a minute. Uh, please see your commercial break. Thank you. personal networking concierge and I host a show on RVN TV called Connect to Success where I interview power networkers in the greater Philadelphia and South Jersey area. So join me every week 1230 on Thursdays during your lunch break and now on Fridays at 9 and 9.30 p.m. We'll see you next week. This plus this equals this plus this and this. Don't drink and drive. What makes a temple owl? Meet Stella. She's wise, fierce, and she's not alone. Temple University, where owls call home. We are the cherry and white. The city is our classroom, and we lead the rush hour, making our mark on every field around the world. A world without temple, well, that's like the sky without the North Star. Temple, never stopping. The
Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained with my guest, Steve Potts from Hair Potts and Potts, who's a special needs attorney. And it's good, we needed that little break because of the fact that I asked one of the dumbest questions I probably asked today. Okay, so therefore I still have time the rest of the day. But anyway, uh, Steve, thank you again for joining me. Yeah. And when it comes to trust, I wanna focus back on the trusts again. Um, because a trust, there's more to a special needs trusts. Aren't there uh, other components that, like a power of attorney, uh, a medical power of attorney, and understand there's a mental health power of attorney? Uh, elaborate on that if you could, please. Yeah, well, uh, once a person becomes the age majority in Pennsylvania, it's 18, uh, they are considered emancipated adults. Right. And some families feel that maybe um, the individual's not really ready or doesn't have the capacity to make these types of decisions, financial, right. sure. healthcare, um, and that maybe they may be taken advantage of. Sure. Uh, so they want to protect them. And at that point, a, a decision would be made, because uh, we meet with lots of families about this types of, these types of issues. You know, do we want to possibly do a power of attorney or, or possibly even go down the road of guardianship? And those two things uh, help the individual with decisions in the, in the future, either financial or healthcare types of decisions. Um, the power of attorney, which probably a lot of people have heard about, yeah, yeah. Um, is you are signing a contract saying, yes, I'm allowing this person to make either healthcare or financial decisions for Wasn't me. Wasn't a healthcare power of attorney like the medical power of, I'm familiar with this on the non-special needs side. So what's the difference um, between those that are needed for special needs, or are they basically the same as for any regular 18-year-old in college? Yeah, I mean, we obviously adjust the documents, but there are a lot of provisions that would remain the same. Um, but we do adjust the documents to to uh, you know cover situations that maybe special needs individuals would 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 face. Okay. Um, but they, it, you know, it's this agreement that they would sign and say, yes, I'm going to have mom and dad be my power of attorney. You know, they're going to help me make decisions. What the power of attorney doesn't do is, though, it, it, or it doesn't stop the individual from making their own decisions. Right. It's just mom and dad can help it, me. It offers, right. It gives the ability for somebody else. Correct. And also, they can continue to sign contracts. They can continue to, right. to do other things. Whereas the guardianship is a different type of, of of way to to help the individual and it's it's a court you have to go to court you have to petition the court you have to go in front of a judge usually and uh, you have to have an, a doctor's report an expert really? report done on the individual to see if a, if a doctor does believe that it, it would make sense to have a guardianship and what it does is is say that the court orders or or or, or puts in an order that says, yes, this person doesn't have the capacity to make these types of decisions, and we are appointing mom and dad or brother or sister, whoever, um, as guardian to make these decisions for So them. does that render, if a person then has guardianship or receives guardianship, and let's say it's a parent, does that render them as almost like a child again, and I'm just thinking of trying to make the comparison between your UGMA and UPMA accounts where the child does not have access to the money themselves without a gatekeeper. Does this now with guardianship take and hand the keys over to the guardian? 
it, it sort of does. It does, um, I, I wouldn't say it's exactly like that, but it does give the guardian the, the full ability to make the financial decisions. Well, now, what's the difference between that and the power of attorney? Well, the, the power of attorney, uh, if, if the individuals, individual say you go into a, a bank and says, I'm taking the $5,000 out, and the power of attorney says, no, you're not taking the $5,000 out, the bank's going to give the $5,000. Right. If you go in with the guardianship and the person says, give me the $5,000, the bank's going to say, I'm listening to the guardian. Right. Okay. So that is similar to someone who's under the age of majority. It's similar. I guess what, I, what brings it up to me is that there are court mechanisms to, let's say, the guardian... Um, isn't doing the right thing. Maybe isn't um, uh, allowing the person to, to do work that they want to do or just something that, that, you know, that they're not really doing what's in the best interest. Mm -hmm. I think it might be harder for a child to take mom and dad to court, whereas well, sure. there is a mechanism for okay. the individual to go back to court to say, my guardian's not doing the right thing. Well, but then the problem is, is that if the individual is not of the mental capacity to be able to do it, that seems hard. And who's typically the guardian? Is it generally a parent? Generally a parent. Yeah, yeah. okay. But you get into situations where it's, well, you know, the, the, the individual's been living at home for 50 years, and mom and dad, or mom, dad has passed, mom's still living, but mom now is 90 or something. You know, um, you know she can't be guardian forever. Let's come into some transitional right, planning. Okay, I got we you. don't that want an emergency sense. situation that mom passes away, and then all of a sudden we have child still, or not child, but the, the individual living at home um, where now there's no adults, there's no guardian, so we want to get some transitional planning. It's almost planning. like a successor guardian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because the other thing, too, is that if you have one guardian, something could happen to that individual. Correct. You know, die suddenly or, or whatever, right. they could become disabled right. themselves. Right, and that, that's why we, we, we do like to have some transitional planning in, in the estate planning. We want to talk about uh, where do you guys see yourself in the future? Where, where do you see, is he living at home or, or is he living in a group home? Maybe he's living with another family. Um, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where, where mom is 90 years old and, and um, you know, is just overwhelmed with the decisions that have right. to be made. Right, or is just not physically capable of handling the disabled person. Correct, and, and that's that's sometimes you know where the county has to step in, and then we get calls from the county. Oh my gosh! And that's too Here's the situation. What's going sure. on? What can we do? And then it's it's an emergency. Well, you situation. know what? I'm glad you brought that up because what I wanted to do while we still have time is you know this all sounds easy. <laughs> okay. However, um, I want to I want to hear some bad cases of what happened. I don't want to scare the viewers, but I want the viewers to understand cases that are mainstream that people wouldn't have thought of. Pitfalls. You know, what situations have you encountered in your professional career where people should know they need to do this? They really need to be serious about this. I think the, the one that we just talked about is the biggest one, I feel, because it's the scariest that um, the, the parents are getting older and uh, they haven't done the transitional planning. They've done everything right up to them, but they haven't done that extra step because they don't want to consider the fact that they're not there because they've cared for their child this long. Um, that's, that's the big one. We, we, we really need to do some transitional planning. The other one uh, that I get the call is, is um, oh, well, grandfather left... $50,000, we've had it in a, a bank account for all these years, but 
um, we, we tried to apply for governmental benefits and we got denied. Like, what do we do? And that's where we have to do a, a, that other type of payback special needs trust if, if that's what, what's needed. We can move those funds over. Um, it's going to take time because we have to get the... You say payback special needs trust. That means at the end, if they're going to take what's remaining of that $50,000 and it goes to the government. Right, the government keeps tabs on what, what services they're being provided, so um, they're going to know how much they put out. So if they put out, you know, 40000 and there's only thirty, they'll take that $30,000. Right. But I do want to, you know, it is different from, say, mom and dad doing planning prior. If mom and dad are doing that planning beforehand, um, they can set up their own special needs trust. They put their monies directly to that trust. When the child passes away, they can have it go to their other children. Right, 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 right. So if you do that planning prior, you have that set up, um, then we're not worried about paying back the government. Well, it's interesting because, again, I'm, I'm experiencing just almost everything that you're telling me. I'm having that experience. The thing that I would think is like a successor guardian. You know, I think about the parent, the sole parent taking care of a special needs child, someone who's severely autistic, living at home, but there's only one parent. I would have to imagine not just the transition, there needs to be a successor guardian, no different than having a will, or you're like, who's gonna take care of my minor children if I'm a single parent? Right. Are there successor guardians also established? We, we, we almost, I mean, we always ask, let's put this in the will. In Pennsylvania, we can do that. We can put that in the will, and the courts will recognize that you want these people to be right. the successor guardians after right. you pass away. You know, the, the scary situation is, well, there's no other children. They only had one child, say, um, and now the last parent is passing away. Who's going to be that next guardian? Right. And that can be a scarier one. There are professional guardians. Um, Meaning like a home of some sort? No, there are individuals who would, who, who that's their, that's their really? service that they provide, their professional guardians. Interesting. Um, but, you know, if there can be a family friend or, or somebody in the family, I mean, it's usually, most of the times, it's better to get somebody uh, who's, who's close to the situation. Oh, of course, knows the situation. of course, of course. So we're wrapping up here. Um, it's all good stuff. If, if you've got a few seconds, is there anything that you feel the viewers would benefit from that we didn't talk about today? Uh, I mean, we, we kind of covered everything really quickly. Uh, you're right. But um, I think the, the most important thing would be to plan and plan early, which is probably a, a concept that... Oh, yeah. Uh, Proper prior planning <laughs> prevents poor performance, right? There you go. Heard it here first. <laughs> um, I think that's the most important because if, if I'm meeting with parents who with young with a young child with special needs we can get that plan in place we can meet every few years you know to make sure everything's is is right we're going to be looking at uh, the finances we're looking at the beneficiary forms you know we don't want to be in a situation where um, you know we've done everything right but we left the life insurance to the individual oh, I know. The child yeah yeah so yeah. we want to make sure that we're 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 doing it early and we're covering it all and we're just checking in every every couple years you know to yes. make sure well, that's good. That's good. Well, this has been fantastic. Steve, thank you for taking the time. Hey, do me a favor. I want you to uh, take a look in the camera and just let people know how they can get a hold of you to ask any questions or if there's anything that they can do. So take a peek yeah. in the camera and have at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm Steve Potts. I'm an attorney uh, at Her Potts and Potts. We're located in Wayne, Pennsylvania. We have office in Westchester, Pennsylvania.
And uh, we do the special needs estate planning. Uh, you can go to herpotsandpots.com or our phone number, 610-254-0114. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. This was a terrific episode on special needs planning. As I indicated, it is a subset of estate planning, but for special needs children and I've come across this before and it is extraordinary how you really do need to plan for this because the last thing you want to do is leave a bunch of money for your special needs child and all of a sudden they're thrust into a situation where now they don't qualify for benefits until they spend down all of their money and then once they do they qualify for benefits at which point they don't have any money to be able to supplement their needs. So just touching upon, Steve was great. He, he gave us some ideas. There's the powers of attorney, the guardianship, and the, the special needs trust, uh, be leaving money for the special needs trust, the life insurance proceeds. And these things can be done without leaving out the other children. Because I've also seen that money gets set aside to the special needs trust, and whatever monies are left over, if that special needs child passes, then at least the money can go to the other siblings. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, please tune in next week. We're going to have Michelle Leahy coming in where she's going to be talking about a subset of what Steve was talking about today because she's a disability advocate. And I think this will tie in and, and spin off a little bit on what Steve said. So thank you very much for tuning in. And I hope you have a wonderful week. And thank you very much. <laughs>